Welcome to Setting Captives Free Podcast. Jesus said, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Okay, all right. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Cleveland, and I'm coming to you from Washington State in the United States today. And I am here with a dear brother of mine. His name is Eamon, and Eamon is from Ireland. And so welcome, Eamon. I'm so glad to talk with you today. Thank you, Mike. It's a, it's a lovely day, and thank you for having me. Well, um, it's sunny here here in Ireland, and the weather's great, and Jesus is Jesus is Lord, and that's it. <laughs> the weather's great, and Jesus is Lord. That's that's awesome. Well, uh, we are going to share with you guys today, and we're going to share uh, Amon's testimony of how he uh, has been changed and set free by the amazing, powerful cross of Jesus Christ. And so what we thought we'd do is to look through Numbers chapter 21 to sort of frame our discussion today. And Amon, we chose this passage because it has uh, personal meaning for you, doesn't it? Tell me about Numbers 21 and and what that has done for you personally. Yes, yes, it really does. Um, I was going through Purity Boot Camp, and one of the lessons was about looking to the cross. To live and as I read numbers 21 I just seen I, I, I seen a picture of my life of my struggle as a Christian and of my past life too and when I actually looked to the cross to live like the Israelites did they looked at the snake and the pole to be healed of the snake bites it was at that point that I stopped trying in in my own strength for 15 years, I, I got saved at 24. I got delivered from alcohol, from smoking dope and cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. But this sin of impurity was with me since 13, 13 years of age. And that wasn't broken over my life when I first became a Christian. And for 15 long years, I tried in my own strength many times and ultimately failed. Um, and for the last maybe five, ten years of trying, my times of trying were getting shorter and shorter. I was basically running, running from God, like Adam and Eve ran in the Garden of Eden. And I was very angry. I was very bitter. And it was really, it, it was towards God. It was towards others, but mainly it was towards myself, because I knew that I had a transforming moment at twenty-four with the Lord. I only God could have delivered me from that past life, which I spoke about alcohol and things like that. And I've had no cravings to have a drink in 15 years. Not what, not even one. Um, I'm totally brand new in that. I I was made brand new in that area, and I knew that that was through Jesus and through no one else. So so to struggle with this sin, what of impurity, what it just had me be, and on the inside. I was like what, what I was like on the outside at, at 24. I was just completely beaten. Like I, I had given up. I thought 
that, that this is it. I'm always going to be like this. But that born again part of me on the inside of me kept on coming back. I kept on coming back and trying the lessons for every couple of months, getting a day here, a day there. And not really, just in my own strength, I just couldn't do it. I had to be beaten in, in, my, in my own strength. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, um, and I think you're, so, what you're describing too is the condition of the Israelites while they were in this wilderness journey uh, because exactly. they, were, they were grumbling against God and so God sent snakes among them and bit That's them. It. And Amon, if you, if you think about that, they were bitten. They could feel the venom running through them. Um, and so wouldn't you say that that is the condition of this when we're, we're set on fire by lust, we're, we're just this venom just runs through our whole system constantly. Is that, is that that's it? That's it. I could not stop myself. Yeah. I could not stop myself at night time. I couldn't stop myself. Even though I tried, I'd say I'm not going to do it, but I just couldn't not stop myself. And, and I was that feminine, but, uh, as you say, and in the scripture there, in, in Numbers 21, what it says that, now this was after the, the Israelites had seen a great deliverance, like Moses had parted the Red Seas. Um, they'd just beaten um, the king of Arad what, in, what, in a war, and yet they were going through the wilderness and they started grumbling against God and they said, there's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. And that's what I was like. I was always grumbling. I was always moaning. I was angry with God that I couldn't, that I couldn't get free of this sin. But I was all trying to do it myself. And then the scripture said that the Lord sent these feminist snakes. It was like that. These feminist snakes taken over the serpent sin. I just could not get over it. But when this, but in the scripture it says there that the Lord said to Moses, "Make a snake, put it up in a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live." So Moses made a bronze snake, and when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Then if you turn to John chapter 3, 14, Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that anyone who believes and not perish by eternal life. So I put those two together, Mike, or the Holy Spirit did. Yes. God showed me this truth. God showed me this truth, and that's when I gave up my own strength. And I started to look to the cross. Mm -hmm. And as I started to look to the cross, those deep wounds from the years of sin, they started to heal. They started to heal. And it wasn't instant. And it's not instant. It's a daily coming back. Yes. And looking to the cross. Yeah. And well, I've been doing that daily. Look at the solution that God provided for the people in the wilderness. And tell me, doesn't that seem like a very odd solution? I mean, where is the physician that could give the anti-venom where where is the you know instruction about making a cut and maybe sucking out the venom what a weird solution to put a pole up and say look there yes exactly it would have to be by faith because it makes no natural sense right they would say why don't you send a doctor to come and try and fix me or they had doctors back then but yeah, yeah, why not take the sucker, the feminine? Why look at a snake on, on a pole? I'm sure some of the Israelites would, would have said that, that, that it's foolishness. Just like it, later on, the scripture says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Yeah. See, see, it took faith for the Israelites to look up at 
the cross and lived. They had to have faith in God and faith in, in, in what God had said to Moses. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and so what you've done then, and actually what Jesus did, is to take that story in the wilderness about the, the people who were dying of snake bite, and the solution was to lift up a pole and to put a snake on it and call people to turn and look. And as you said, they had to believe what God said, that there was a solution, that even though it didn't, wasn't a likely solution, it was a very strange solution, yet by faith, they obeyed, they turned, they looked, and wow, I'm cured. I, the venom no longer runs through my veins. I'm alive where I was just a minute before dying. Now I'm living all because of that pull that was lifted up. Exactly. And, and Amen, tell me, doesn't the cross where a criminal dies seem like a very odd solution to heal the wounds from sin? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because I know elsewhere in the Old Testament says that anyone that's hung on the cross is cursed. Cursed mm. is anyone that's hung on a cross. And, and yes, it does. Like it, it, Especially to the outside world, to look at the cross, to live, to look at Jesus dying on the cross. Like It takes faith to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's where the healing comes from. So I got saved. At 24, but the snake bites of sin didn't start to heal until I started to see that Jesus had become sin on the cross. That my actual sin, my sin, no one else's, but my own sin was nailed to the cross and it wasn't on me anymore. Yes. You see what I'm trying to say? So this was all part of looking to live. Is that I seen my sin there was a moment going through purity do camp where I, I just went, wow, and it clicked and it was all tied into these scriptures. And I seen that my sin was nailed to the cross and that I could not defeat it myself and I can never defeat it myself and that Jesus took it. And it was in that moment that the healing came, the freedom came, mm. but I'm told to daily, daily wash the cross. So I daily come to the cross to and look and live. And and it's within my own heart. It's, it's a couple of minutes in, in a, the morning and it's continues during the day. It's in when, when it's in my thoughts. Jesus is there. The cross is before me. So when the pops into my mind, I bring it to the cross. I look to live. But elsewhere in the scripture says no temptation has overtaken us except what's common to man. But God is faithful and he will not let us suffer beyond what what we can bear. The end of that scripture says that we will not be tempted beyond what we are able to bear. And I've seen the cross in that too, the exact same thing, look and live. So when a temptation comes, I can look to the cross and live. The serpent of sin comes, comes at us, but this is that Jesus is the solution. Looking at the cross to live. Yes. You know, if you it's look at the cross, right, you know, it, it, you're talking about looking at the cross and washing at the cross. So what do we really see when we look at the cross? What are we, what are we seeing that has this healing influence and power in our lives? What, 
we're seeing Jesus. Jesus Jesus became sin on the cross, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He became sin and, and in a moment of time while he was on the cross the Father left him. And he became all our sin, everyone's sin, those who believe in him. So Jesus says one one, one version said that he was made sin. So when I looked at that I see right my sin was nailed to the cross for his righteousness so that he can set me free so that he can live in me and, and through me. And so what we're seeing is, and you just mentioned the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we've, we've got two pictures here that we're looking at. The first is of a snake um, biting and destroying and devouring inflaming us with venom um, and that's where we live in the lusts of our flesh we we are just living to gratify uh, our flesh but then we have a picture of a lamb and what we see there is in the old testament the lamb of god actually had the sins of the people put on it you remember how the priest would put his hand on the head of that little lamb symbolically transferring the sins of the people onto the lamb. And then that lamb was led away from the people. I'm talking about the scapegoat. I'm talking about, you know, there's, there's all kinds of. Um, Leviticus chapter 16. Yeah, Leviticus 16. Yeah, one lamb died and the other one with the scapegoat was led away into the wilderness. And Amon, I, I know that at Josephus, the, the Jewish historian, recorded that as that that goat in this case was being led away from the people the people were were kicking dust at it they were mocking it they were scoffing at it as it took their sins away into the wilderness and and there we see Jesus who became sin for us who took our sins off of us and carried them himself away from us and now, Amon, if you think about it, since you literally have no sin, not that we're sinless, we still sin, but we have no yeah. sin on us, that means that you have now become the righteousness of God. Yes. You, you not only had your sins removed, you had Christ's righteousness put on you, right? Right. It was a two-way, two-way two deal. He became my sin to give me his righteousness, Romans 4, 25. And that revelation is just life-changing, life-changing to see that Jesus takes our sin to give us his righteousness. Like what an act of love, what an act of love, the love of God. And that's why it says in 1 John four nineteen that we love him because he loved us first. Um, it's just it's just it's it's a be it's beyond comprehension like it's just awesome oh how he loved us brother he he loved us in love that gave up his life um you know that's what first john three sixteen says this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us amen if you look at christ on the cross he is loving you to death and, and then to the grave and to hell and back. 
He's yes. pouring out his very life's blood for you. What, what does that do for you as you think about that? It just fills me with passion. It just fills me with passion um, and, and gratefulness because I know what my previous life was like and I know, and, and I know what my struggle was. And to have that take, take, taken away from me, that's all I ever wanted for the last 15 years. Yeah. Was to be free of this impurity, yeah. and to find me. And I've often said to myself over the last couple of months, I says, "How come I never seen it for the yeah. last fifteen years?" Even though I claim to have known about Jesus, known about the cross, and did have a salvation experience, I didn't. I didn't fully understand the cross. I didn't understand that we can be set free from habitual sin. Like, like you say, like I'm not saying that I'm sinless. I still live in the flesh. Yes. But I'm free. I, I am free through Christ from habitual, from habitual sin. Yes. Romans 6.14. And I understand grace now. Yes. And the message of grace. And that we are free from habitual sin and that we're not following the old law of Moses. Yes. Especially yes. coming from a Catholic background, like here in Ireland, we... It's not as Catholic as it used to be, but I come from a Catholic background. So I would have had all, don't do this, don't do that, drill, drilled into me as, as a child, which, you know, that type of way. And um, when I first got saved at 24 and, and I realized that God loved me, I said to myself, how can God love me when I haven't been to Mass in 10 years, haven't been mm -hmm. to confession? Do you, do you know all this kind of stuff? And really battled that. So... 15 years later, to realize that I've been set free from habitual sin through looking at the cross to live, it's just so liberating. It just fills me with such joy and gratitude to, to uh, the Lord. that, And his forgiveness is just, it's beyond human comprehension because I sin so much in, in impurity. I, I, I can't even count the amount of times that I tried to start a second capital three course over, over the years could have been 500 times. Mm. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question about, and, and, you know, these things are a little bit hard to think about because we don't like to think about our past in sin. It hurts us. Uh, and yet it can be helpful to other people. And so, you know, the, ver the very first time that I heard about you was yes. uh, through my wife, who said that your wife had contacted Setting Captives Free because you were dealing with anger, issues of anger in the family. Now that struck a chord with me, Amon, because I lived in extreme anger toward everybody around me because of my bitterness. I, I, I still remember, you know, and it hurts me to think about it, but I punched a hole in the wall at my home um, and fortunately, I was this close, you know, I didn't punch my wife. I was so close to doing it. Yeah. Um, but this is because of the deep-seated anger and bitterness I had within me. And you've dealt with those things as well, haven't you? Yes, I have. Like I said earlier on, I was so angry with myself in this sin. For hours at nighttime, staying up, indulging in the flesh, and having young kids getting up at seven in the morning and trying to be a dad and this and that. I was just so I, I was just so angry, so angry with myself and flying off the handle and being ultra critical 
about any mistakes that other people made. It was all towards myself. I just could not forgive myself and I couldn't face God. And I ran like Adam and Eve did in the game. I, I understand why they ran because I've run myself. I, I know who God is. Even in my sin, I knew who God was, is, um, and yet would run from God because of the deep seed and anger within myself. I couldn't forgive myself. I literally could not forgive myself. And so the venom runs very deep within us. Uh, we we take it again about that story with the, the Israelites, you know, the venom of sin. Uh, we've been bitten by this serpent of sin and this venom yeah. expresses itself in lust and rage and impurity and anger and all of these internal ways that this sin is expressing itself. And Amon, I want to kind of finish this story, and I'd like you to, to finish it, because you have actually become a mentor with Setting Captives Free. And when you did, your wife wrote into us and said what a dramatic change she's witnessing in her husband. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, my marriage has been, has been re, kind of rejuvenated, because the truth is, Sarah was on the verge of leaving me. Mm. She, she was on the verge of leaving me, and that is the truth. Even her mom was getting involved. She was on the verge of leaving me. Um, God just intervened, just showed me this truth at the right time. Because mm. I was on the verge of lo losing my wife and kids. And that would have just been a... It would have just been a disaster, but, but it was within my... It's only looking back I can see it because I was so tunnel visioned looking at myself. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't really have feelings for other people, Mike. It's a terrible thing to say. Mm. I, I was so wrapped up in myself. That's only looking back I can see how much trouble that marriage was in. But it's been rejuvenating. Like we went off camping as, as a family and, and I only said to Sarah, come back in the car yesterday. But I says that we didn't grumble at each other once. That is the truth. We literally had such a great family time. And, and even before that, over the last couple of months, it's just God has just brought the two of us back uh, back together. The, the way we were when we were first dating, probably. Like, and, 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 it's, and, and, and it's all God. And it's all through the work he's done, he's done in me. I couldn't see... The beauty of my marriage or the beauty of my kids mm. stuck in this thing. I couldn't, I just couldn't see kind of beyond myself. Mm. And, and to see that, that, that I'm not condemned in Christ. And can, can I just share, because this ties into Numbers chapter 21. Like most people just quote John 3.16, but... Well, we know in John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Well, if we jump on to verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And I was living in such condemnation while in my sin. And rightly just, but to see that, that whoever believes in him is not condemned, that Jesus took my condemnation on the cross. Yes. 
So when I look to live and seeing that I'm not condemned anymore, that God forgives me, and then I, I forgive myself. You know, if you, if you think about it, Jesus on the cross is our condemnation. He was condemned in our place. And therefore, God does not condemn twice. He, he wouldn't condemn Jesus and you. Um, he condemned Jesus instead of you. And so we don't just trust in a God who is loving and, well, he doesn't condemn me because he's loving. No, we have proof positive that he won't condemn us because he condemned his own son. And, and so, you know, when the woman caught in adultery um, was there before the Pharisees and they were, had the stones in their hand and they were ready to kill and destroy her. Um, and Jesus helped them to see that they were sinners too. And he said, if you're not a sinner, go ahead and throw the stone. And all you hear is thud, thud, all the rocks dropping from the Pharisees' hands and they slink off into the night. And Jesus asks an important question of that woman. He says, Mike, Amon, where are your condemners? And, and what did she say? She said that um, that uh, they're gone, so, or something to that effect. I, I, I read it. Yeah, I, no one condemns me, sir. No one condemns me. I, I have no one. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go exactly. and sin no more. And he could have been the only one that could have threw a stone at her too. Yes. Because he never sinned. He fulfilled the law. Yes. And he showed her grace, grace, pure grace. Now, one thing he did not say is he did not say, Amon, go and sin no more, and then I won't condemn you. He said, I don't condemn you first. In other exactly. words, yes. your life from here on out is based on the fact that there is no condemnation for you. And that yes. enables us to go and sin no more uh and to live a life that's different than we did before and so um amon that is a powerful understanding isn't it that we're not condemned because jesus was condemned uh in our place i, I, want, I want to take you back to numbers 21 for a minute because we we talked about the the pole being uplifted and yes. uh, and people being called to turn and look but there's actually a couple more pictures in here that I just want to discuss briefly with you. If you read on in Numbers 21, starting in verse 10 all the way down to verse 20, we see another picture, and that is that they were walking along in the wilderness, and there was a well that sprung up in the wilderness where the, the people could drink, and they even began to sing to this well. And so they sang this song, Spring Up, O Well, Sing About It. The, the nobles of the people sang the nobles with scepters and staffs. Now, Amon, you and I know that water in the scriptures is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Um, in John chapter 7, Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow out of you, would, would be within you. And he said that in reference to the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in Numbers 21 
first is an uplifted cross-like pole, and then we see a well that satisfied and quenched the thirst of the people. And Amon, you know that the Holy Spirit is what is enabling you to be free from impurity. Tell me a little bit about that. We wash with at the cross, but then we walk by the power of the Spirit, and that's what you're experiencing, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, like going through purity, purity boot camp, I learned that I washed the cross, I walk in the Spirit, and that by doing those two, I can war against the flesh. Whereas before, I was trying to war against the flesh first. Ah. So I the cross, walk in the Spirit, and then naturally, through that, there's a natural progression of warring against the flesh. Because the scripture says in Galatians 5.16 that walk in the spirit and we shall not gratify the lust of the flesh. Which I believe it's talking about habitual sin because it gives a list of, of the acts of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, murder, etc., etc., fits of rage, all sin habits. Well, maybe not murder, but sin habits, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it goes into the fruit of the spirit. And in Galatians 5, 5.24, it says all those that belong to Christ crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's broken the power of habitual sin in my life through the cross now. It's the message of the cross. The Holy Spirit works through the cross. And for me, that, that, that is walking in the Spirit. So when a temptation comes... I'm able to think of scripture, I'm able to think that I look to live, I cast it down, no temptation has overtaken me, and I'm back walking in the spirit. It's, it's, it's following after the flesh or following after the spirit. That's for me is walking in the spirit. That's my understanding. Yes. Um, and you described it as the cross and the spirit uh, working yes. together. And, and so what you had done previously was, I'm just going to fight this sin in my own strength. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to, you know, and that is never, that never works. But when you turn and look at the uplifted cross and you see your sin dying and you see your condemnation crucified. Yes. And you see that Jesus removed your sin and buried it in a tomb. That gives you the Holy Spirit power because you're believing this message. You believe I Amon, am free from sin. I'm free from condemnation. The Holy Spirit is now at work in my heart and my life, and I'm actually drinking of the Spirit. I'm being satisfied by the Spirit. And Amon, if you look at the rest of Numbers 21, starting in verse 21, you see a battle, a, a battle between the Israelites and Sihon and Og, two kings of the Amorites. Who wins this battle? Yeah, Israel won the battle in verse 25. Right. Israel captured all the cities of the Amorites and occupied them. Yes. Hezron and all its surrounding settlements. Right. And so you see, again, these principles in place where you look at the uplifted pole, you drink from the waters of the Holy Spirit, and you war against the flesh and the enemy and the devil, and you win. And, and this is what I'm hearing from your life. Well, 
that well, that is it exactly what in a nutshell it's those three principles really that I have in my mind to watch the cross, walk in the spirit, and by doing that I naturally war against the flesh. Whereas before I was trying in in, in my own strength, trying to war against my own flesh and eventing just going further and deeper and deeper into sin. Yeah. As each time I was trying, I was falling down, falling down and going harder and harder into the sin, into more depravity. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a message of the cross, that through washing of the cross, I, I can walk in the spirit and then I can war against the flesh. Yes. And that's what I said. Be victorious. <laughs> And actually be victorious. And be victorious. And it's not that I'm sinless. It's not that I don't get tempted. But I don't really get tempted too much. But because I'm so in love with Jesus. Um, but not to get complacent either. Not yeah. to get complacent either. That, that if I do get tempted, I, well, I know where to go. And I know what to do. I look to the cross. You, um, you just said I, you, you just said that you're so in love with Jesus. What? How, how, how did this come about, brother? How? Well, um, it came about. <laughs> it came about through me struggling, and it came about through seeing, through seeing the cross in, in its true light. Like I've known since I was a kid that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I didn't fully understand it until a couple of months ago. Until going through purity boot camp, I didn't actually understand what happened that day at Calvary. Yeah, that Jesus took my sin. I thought, yeah, he died on the cross for my sin, but I thought that I asked Jesus to forgive me, but then I thought the rest was up to me. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. And so when you see him... Maybe it was from a religious point of view. Maybe it was from a yeah. religious point of view. I thought the rest was up to me. I was trying to please God in, in my own strength. And I just could not do it. Yes. I getting deeper so this love for jesus is i realize that jesus i realize the sacrifice of the cross i realize what jesus did kind of did for me and did for everyone he didn't just do it for me he done it for everyone yes um that he willingly willingly came down from heaven willingly died on the cross for our sins it says somewhere else in scripture for the joy that was set before him and there's another scripture that really done it for me too, and and it's in Isaiah what fifty two. I hope you don't mind my me reading. It. Yes, please. In verse, 14, in verse fourteen, it says that his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. And in verse fifteen, it says he was sprinkled many nations, and kings kings would shut their mouth because of him. But verse thirteen there. So on the cross, when Jesus became sin, I seen the. I didn't. I seen it through scripture that that his parents was so disfigured. So it's not like what we see in TV when Jesus died on the cross. He, he, even in the movie The Passion of the Christ, it's people might say that that was really bad. Jesus looked terrible on the cross. Like, but it says in scripture said that it was way worse than that. So when Jesus became sin on the cross, and I see the love for me that that actually what he willingly became to take our sin and the price that was paid. Um. That he was so disfigured that that his form was marred be what beyond human likeness. Like I can only imagine what to think of what that's like. Um, so it just really hit me what happened at Calvary 
through going through purity boot camp, through looking at the cross to live. And I seen, I seen the price that was paid. And in Colossians 2, 13 to 15, it says, my sin was nailed to the cross. Mm. So this love is from seeing the sacrifice that was paid. And I think that ties into 1 John 4, 19, that we love him because he loved us first. Yes. So my natural response now is that I want to live for God. I want to live for Jesus. Um, I've been set free from habitual sin. And at this moment in time, that is how I'm living for him. Yes, that is beautiful. That is awesome. Uh, what you've done is you've sat long at the cross and looked and you've seen that Jesus loved you unto death. And he, he, his appearance was so marred. It was beyond human recognition. Sometimes, Amon, I don't think we can really fathom the fact that if you actually saw Jesus at the cross, you wouldn't have recognized him as a human being. You would have thought, what know, is that? Is that exactly. a monster? A, a snake? What? What is that? And, and the reason is because, Amon, in sin, we become unrecognizable as a human. We become marred in our sin. And so Jesus, when he took that on himself, he became transformed in his very appearance. His, even his soul became an offering for sin uh, as God made his soul this offering to remove sin from us. And now you have experienced this kind of deep love that has just removed the bitterness, right? Removed the hate, removed the, all the impurity, all the venom has gone out. And, yes. uh, and why? It's, it's driven out by love. Um, and so, Amon, we've got to bring this to an end, but let me ask you this as a, as a way to end up our discussion here. There's going to be somebody who's listening to this, and they are where you and I used to be in the sense of, man, this is, lust has just got a grip on me. It's running through my veins, and I'm angry, and my family's suffering because of it, and I don't know what to do. So if you would for a minute, Iman, just speak to them. What can, what, you're a mentor with Setting Captives Free now. What would you say to them? How can you help them? But I would say to them that, that, that if they've looked at Second Captives 3 and, and if they've signed up to, to realize, well, not to realize, to, to start the lessons and to realize that God loves them, that Jesus loves them, that he took their sin on the cross. And to not, they may be walking around feeling condemned, feeling I'm not good enough, feeling I can't do that, I can't start the course because I'm going to fall. I'm not going to continue because I can never get over it. I would just invite them just to do the lessons, just to go through them, even if they're falling, just to seek God, just to realize that Jesus loves them, that they're not condemned, and to, and to keep coming back. Just keep on getting up. Keep on trying. That Jesus does love you, that he has died for you, and that he's not holding your sins against you. And that's really it. But it takes, it takes effort. Yeah. Takes ever. Just don't give up. Because and that's it. Speak, speaking naturally, that's what that's what, what what I would say. Yes. Because what you've just given them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the power of God, both for salvation and to set them free. 
not just for salvation, but to set them free too. And so as Amen said, look at the cross. Just look for a minute, because with one look, your life will be forever changed as Amon's is. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Amon. I enjoyed so much our time together. Thanks for inviting me to chat. Amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.